Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Go to strengthguild.com, S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-G-U-I-L-D.com. Scroll down to the Iron Radio Collections, and we've got new shirts and new banners for you to support the show. Everything from just a regular banner, regular shirt, to ones with sayings on them, like Lonnie's Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree shirt. And some news for you, we're going to have some contests for people who own these shirts and things. So if you support the show, we'll let you more on that later. So if you get in on these early, you can be one of the first people to win some prizes. So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about 20 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild, amongst other things. Hey, this is Dr. Mike Stenelson, creator of the Flex Diet Cert, associate professor of the Kerrig Institute, and... I'm in Hood River, Oregon right now. This is Tommy DeFay, and I am co-host of the Massonomics Podcast. And Tanner Baird, and I'm the other half of the Massonomics Podcast, all things Massonomics. Sweet. Massonomics. Thanks for joining us, guys. It's good having you on. Thanks for having us. It's an honor to be on Iron Radio. I'm sad. I don't see. They're on video. We're not. But I don't see any of those lift shorts on you guys. I mean, that's... Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm the most expensive shirt on the planet. So, <clears throat> no, we just want to shoot the shit and see how you guys are. And uh, like usual with most of our guests, we just kind of start out with a backstory. Number one, before even the podcast, I mean, what guys, what got you guys into physical culture, lifting, stuff like that? Well, we met, the two of us met at the gym is, is how it very first started. And, and we were interested in, uh, uh, I guess I got into filming some YouTube videos around our lifting. We were both getting into powerlifting, the sport of powerlifting at the time. And we were uh, thinking we'd make a YouTube channel out of it. Um, and I talked to Tommy, um, let him know we had started a channel. He is a graphic designer by trade and came up with a logo. Maybe I'll let you jump in on that. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was, that was really where it started. Is we were yeah. at the same gym together and uh, Tanner had mentioned this YouTube channel and some other things that he was into, and he talked about this name Massonomics. And uh, from there, I said, "Yeah, I can make a logo for you." And I made a logo, and Tanner's like, "Damn, that's really cool!" And uh, from there, it just kind of grew into uh, making shirts, and it, I mean, it, it just like it was really steady, one thing at a time. But um, from there, it eventually grew into a podcast, a gym, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, those are the major legs of the stool, I would say, is, is, is the podcast, which we're, uh, we just published, I think, our 223rd straight weekly episode nice. of that, which, which is, is fun for us to be on your show because um, I think there's a limited number of people, especially in the, the fitness or, or strength world, that understands uh, you're almost at 600. I mean, we can't even wrap our heads around that. <laughs> Most people, 223 would sound like a large number. You know, we've been going at 
for four and a half years and, and not missing a beat. But um, that's what's so, kind of what's so crazy about Iron Radio is, is just the duration that you've been at it without missing uh, anything. So I think that's an interesting note as we get, get us getting the chance to sit down with you and talk to someone that else that really, really understands that side of it too. Uh, but that the podcast is one leg of that stool. Then the gym is probably a smaller leg. We, we run, uh, we're in Northeast South Dakota. We run a little club strength gym, I would call it. Uh, we got people that are, that compete in powerlifting and uh, strongman for probably more, more so uh, the membership consists of people that are just trying to get stronger, you know, trying to get stronger, trying to get healthier, um, a fun hobby. So the podcast, the gym, um, then the apparel, of course, like Tommy is talking about, we're both wearing a couple shirts now. And then the lift shorts, like, like Phil was talking about, is is maybe, <laughs> oddly enough as it is, it's one of the things we've become most well-known for yeah. our lift shorts. And I don't know if I know how to describe that story or why that is even a thing. <laughs> the real origin of that is is we, we made these mesh shorts with one of our logos printed on them and and someone on the internet, as people on the internet do, got on us about uh, them being overpriced and you know, kind of trolling us or throwing us under the bus. And we just took it and ran with it, you know, made a joke out of it, like we do a lot of the stuff we do, and uh, it turned into our greatest marketing campaign that we could have never. It's popping off these shorts too expensive. Yeah, uh, but that's that's how we wrap all that stuff up together. I think we, everything that we, we do, we wrap humor around it, levity. Uh, we're not experts in nutrition science like you guys are. Uh, people aren't coming to our podcast to, to see us dissect the latest meta-analysis on free training. And if they're coming to our podcast for that, they're really, they're really in the wrong spot. They're right. Up bad. Right. People come to our podcast, uh, you know, for the humor side of it. We, we talk about current events in, in the strength world, of course, and strength and nutrition world. But we're putting our own spin on it and, and having fun with it all. Yeah. And you guys are up in what? You're up in North, North South Dakota. Yep. Correct. South we're, Dakota. we're not too far from North Dakota or Minnesota. So we're in the northeast corner of the state. I think you guys run you run some strongman events and stuff up there too. I mean, is that at the facility? Yeah, we've actually hosted uh, uh, three or four pretty well run. You know, to, to pat ourselves on the back on that, <laughs> that we put together a couple, uh, some pretty cool events. You know, we partner with our uh, local local county fair and that sort of thing, and we, we brought in some uh, um, pretty significant audiences for that, and really trying to turn those strongman events into more of a spectator sport. You know, necessarily they, they weren't focused directly around the athletes competing. You know, it's still a very fun experience for them, but also more so turning it into a show for the audience. Like, uh, we like to think of it as strongman mixed together with a little bit of uh, WWE. It's a better example of what we put on. Yeah, yeah. really trying to focus on that showmanship aspect and, you know, getting a professional MC to run the event for everything and building out programs to hand to everyone in the audience and just really like paying attention to what we can do to make it an entertaining event. And uh, it, it worked pretty well for us. Yeah. It's a lot of work though, Phil. I mean, Phil, I know you put on your event, uh, so we probably don't have to explain the amount of work it is to you, but uh, you, you forget all the, how much time all the small details can take us. Yeah. Uh, and then how's that? 
has everything going on. Like this year started out for the fitness industry, the Arnold Sports Fest being canceled. And now essentially everything's canceled. I mean, has that affected you guys in events? It's it, it was really interesting because uh, you know we're Massonomics is a we both have full time jobs so Massonomics is kind of that passion project that side project for us um, but with that we still have like a rough sales goal in mind or what we think we could you know at the beginning of the year we talked about some ideas of what we think we could possibly do for the year and uh, a big a big part of that is the Arnold not just from a sales perspective but from marketing getting, yeah marketing getting the word out. Like we were saying, yeah, we're in South Dakota, so our chances of meeting anyone are like non-existent. So <laughs> kind of network in person with people. Um, so we were really looking forward to that, and then to find out that the Arnold was canceled, uh, it kind of felt like, well, the year 2020 is gone for Massonomics. And um, luckily for us, that has actually not been the case at all. Um, it's maybe it's a mix of offering mix of having awesome followers fans supporters um but it things have gotten really good for us this year and uh we're, we're super grateful for that um we don't completely know why i mean it's maybe it's yeah. you know things like this too getting getting out into different audiences but um yeah things have been really good for us this a, year. a good example or a, a good i, I like we, we talked to mark ripto recently kind of about it and and similar things and his his comment on that was that uh, our business, along with his and a lot of others in our space, we're fortunate because our customers are good people for the yeah, most part. We're dealing with ones. yeah, we're dealing with good people. So even though we face something like the the Arnold shutting down, which could be a you know could be a huge blow to us in the long run, it's really turned out to be a great year actually. And I think a big part of that is because of the the type of people that we have behind us for sure. Yep. Did you guys print like an Arnold specific shirt? Uh, we didn't have an Arnold specific shirt. I mean, we we had a couple. We had some new releases made just for the Arnold. Yeah. Uh, and luckily, the nature of our business, you know, we sell almost all of our stuff online, so that just meant moving it online, and mm -hmm. uh, the, the sales went over really good. You know, you miss out on that organic thing of the random guy walking by and going, "Hey, that shirt's funny. I'll buy yeah. that." Like, obviously, that's not happening online, but. Um, it's, it still worked out pretty well for us. And then the other thing too is, uh, with, with gyms getting shut down and everyone moving to home gyms, uh, we thankfully sell banners. And, uh, mm -hmm. if you were in the banner business of any kind, <laughs> good four or five months here. <laughs> yeah. We, we really ramped up, uh, our flags and banners, you know, came out with several new styles and that was a big part, I think, in us finding a little bit of success there, but all that being said, it's not to say that we were not extremely stressed out when that Arnold uh, event came about. Like, like you said, that was very in this COVID nineteen process. So when it was canceled, it was actually canceled just the night, just hours before we were ready to get in our vehicle and make the thousand mile drive. There, we had everything packed up, ready to go, um, ready to get in the car, and then you know the governor met that evening and they decided to shut it down. Fortunately, we hadn't left yet. Um, there's a lot of other companies that we know that we, we talked to quite a bit that had things shipped there. You know, they like half a year's worth of inventory was sitting in Columbus, Ohio. They were still at their, uh, they hadn't got on the plane yet, so they got to figure out what they're going to do with this, you know, $20,000 worth of inventory, how they're going to get it back, how the booth fees are all going to play out. And in the end, like we said, it has worked out 
very, very good for us, but um, certainly a lot, a lot of stress around all of that for, for a while. But in hindsight, it turned out pretty cool. Events at your own place, more strongman meets or anything, has it affected that at all, or you guys just rolling with it? Well, there really hasn't been. We are not going to have that event this year. So yes, it has affected that. The the, the place that we would normally host that event, the event that we center our event inside of is not going to take place. So no, that will not be able to happen this year. And for that matter, even if that was going on, I don't think we would probably hold it uh, at this point in time. We don't want to be, regardless of what everyone individually wants to do, I don't want to be in the position of, of creating the event and uh, uh, you know taking ownership of that. Whether people would show up or not, I. At this point, I don't really want to have that responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go to the topic of the day, which everybody, it's going to be, we're going to talk about, you know, the ability to train for decades and maybe things you'd do different. Uh, you guys had a few questions for us. Yeah. Actually, what we want to do is on, on our show, on the Mastonomics podcast, each week we play this game uh, we call Overrated, Underrated. And what we do for that, if, if it's just Tommy and I, I, I have a, uh, usually a list of four topics, and he has to decide whether each one is overrated or underrated. You can't ride the line. A lot of times these topics have something to do with lifting. Um, a lot of times some of them have absolutely nothing to do with lifting. And, and like I said before, we like to have a little humor in most of them. Mm-hmm. So we came up with uh, some Iron Radio overrated, underrated that we want would like uh, you three to play with us. And I don't know how you guys want to do it. If you you each want to give your your answer for each one, I suppose uh, you might have some differing op- opinions on them. But if you guys are game to play, we would sure like to do it with you on your show here today. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. We'll each give an answer. Yep. Topic topic number one: overrated or underrated is. Coffee as a pre-workout. Who wants to go first? I know Lonnie's answer. <laughs> I'm chomping at the <laughs> mic. <laughs> I think. Uh, oh, go. You go ahead, Phil. Go ahead. I suppose if you have enough of it, it's plenty good. You know, it's just going to take me a lot. Because, I mean, myself generally, I like. I slam. I'm drinking coffee now. I'm going to go get like a monster, and then I'm going to take some pre-workout. So, is what you're saying. So, if I had enough coffee, I'd be good. But I'm going to say coffee is underrated. Um, coffee does a lot of cool stuff. It sounds a little hippy dippy, but I mean, it's it's really sort of an ideal pre workout. I mean, Americans get more antioxidants from coffee than from fruits and vegetables, for Christ's sake. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there. So. Um, and, you know, Mike and I nerd out about this a lot, but, I mean, even stuff like your ability to handle carbohydrates over weeks and weeks is enhanced by coffee, whereas if all you do is go to the harsh stimulants, it's just going to screw that up. Uh, plus, you know, old school, uh, Fortress and I, we used to go make a pot of coffee. He would make instant coffee by the pot. <laughs> Don't ask me. But we'd sit around and just drink really, like, double-strength coffee and watch metal videos uh, and so it was part of the ritual. It was the part of the pre-workout ritual. I mean, a, a good, strong, almost bitter cup of coffee, hell yeah. So I think it's underrated. Yeah, I agree with Lonnie. I'd say underrated for pre-workout for most people. Okay. Uh, topic number two, 
Chuck Taylors for lifting shoes. Who's going first? Me again? Go for it. I, I'll go ahead and go. I'm going to say they're overrated. <laughs> they're just... Uh, I mean, they're a good shoe, but they're way overpriced. They're kind of like those lift shorts. And uh, <laughs> unlike the lift shorts, though, I see they fall apart a lot. And, yeah, I don't know. They're just, they're not that great. So, yeah. Uh, Back when they were $12 a pair, man, they were good. Exactly. <laughs> Phil, that's what I was going to say. Like, if you remember, like, when I was a kid in the 70s, like, those those were the cheap shoes, you know. Those were oh, not yeah. the, the trendy things. I think they're overrated, honestly. And not that I'm good enough at any kind of lifting. I mean, you know, what is a guy who's interested in muscle mass going to – equipment really isn't a big thing. But I bought Chuck Taylors uh, even like I maybe half a dozen years ago I bought a pair just to revisit them. And I'm, I don't know. They just didn't really feel right for me. I don't know. They're so, they're so damn flat. Like I don't know how guys used to play basketball in Chuck Taylors, you know. I do not know did it athletics in those. That was the, one of the shoes of choice for that. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm going to get lots of hate mail. I don't <laughs> understand the obsession. I think they're they're overrated. So They're good, but they're just, I don't know. It's just a canvas on top of flat sole. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, let me ask, Tommy and Tanner, are you guys – going to chime in on this on your own show because i'm going to tune in and see what you guys say about these or do do your listeners already know how you feel about these things um this this is an original topic to overrated underrated that we picked for your show but if what we're i, I think we would probably i i think they're overrated i would I, say uh, overrated uh, we we both have been lifting in a pair of the uh the uh crossfit tr lights um from re, what, yeah. what six years ago yeah i mean i really like that shoe because it's suit I mean, it's flat which is fine, but it's really wide. I just I like it way more, which is what I had before that. So I, I would agree. I think Chuck's are overrated as a lifting shoe. Yeah, the Chuck Taylor is too narrow of a shoe for me. I might have a little bit wider of a foot, and and I'd say if you're someone that's squatting and and uh, if you're pressing out a little bit, you know, I, I see a lot of times people's foot is bulging over past the sole of the shoe, and I. I don't see how that's advantageous when you're trying to create as much power as possible. And they also curve the toe curves up a yeah. little bit. Like you, it's very, very hard for the end of your toe to actually make contact with the ground. They do yeah. curve up. So, so that's how we feel. Totally overrated. Yeah, overrated for sure. All right, the third topic, and this gets into the pretty serious stuff. This is uh, 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 more of the theme of our show. So, overrated or underrated? The McDonald's apple pie. Oh, I think it's underrated, man. That damn thing's pretty good. I like it, especially for the money. You get some bang for your buck. It's usually nice and fresh and warm. It's good. I'll take it. That's such a fill answer. You always go for the cheapest, (laughs) highest calorie item. (laughs) You know, this is me being old, but uh, I think the new ones, I'm going to go the other way and say they're overrated because – the old apple pies, hot damn, those deep-fried, grease-dripping, crunchy, delicious little, you know, naughty nuggets of, of goodness, they're gone. And now they're sort of like quasi-baked and stuff, so um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think the new ones – and I don't know if this is just the apple or the cherry pies, right? Because it's been ages since I ate one of these things. But, uh, you know, the irony is the, the bit of news that I was going to use today was about – 
cooking oils and how they're overused and how damaging they are. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I go overrated. I'm kind of with Lonnie. Like, I remember those super old school, like, it's probably 40 grams of fat, like, just popped <laughs> in a fryer with just a little bit of apple inside, and I don't even know what the new ones are. I haven't even tried them, to be honest. Well, there's always time for experimentation. I know. I feel like I got to go try corner. it now. Yeah. I'm going to have to there's revisit. Hot apple pie on almost every corner in the United States. You can go get one. That's. <laughs> yeah. Who else can say that? That's right. Arm's length. Yeah. All right, are we ready for the final hard-hitting topic? Yep. All right, overrated or underrated, sparkling waters, specifically LaCroix. Ooh. Uh, overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you might say that. Yeah, it's just, it's just bubbly flavored water. And not saying I don't like it, but holy crap, the price tag on a lot of those things. It's fucking water with bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a status symbol i think than yeah, it. So. yeah my my gut reaction is can i dissolve caffeine in that somehow you know <laughs> otherwise i don't i don't really have enough information to make the call i mean we have some tonic water and stuff but you know that's I, that's for my gin and tonics <laughs> that's kind of that's the I extent mean, of it for me i don't know team. i mean the marketing team for them is very underrated because <laughs> they've done a really good job of selling a very inexpensive product for a premium yeah. price. But, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. I go overrated, too. I don't understand the obsession. There's not even caffeine in it. It's just <laughs> water with bubbles in it and CO2. Yeah. If you tune weekly to the Massonomics podcast, you could hear us discuss the finer points of sparkling water. So, something to think about. Oh, okay. <laughs> So is it especially thirst quenching? Is there something good about all the carbonation? What do you guys? What do you? Um, <laughs> no, it's all the subtleties. I mean, I can't, I can't make any grand statements here because it, it is all about the subtleties. Wow. So. Okay. <laughs> like wine or coffee tasting, cheese tasting, right? You get notes of oakiness or something. <laughs> notes of citrus. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that wraps up our overrated underrated uh, game for the day. All three of you did outstanding, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was stressed. Yeah, <laughs> Mike's stressed out. It's like an exam. Yeah. We'll take a uh, short break, and then we're going to come back with the topic of the day. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text uh, Keto ebook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry and 
what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single digit uh, royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, guys, we're back. And, you know, we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about today as a topic of the day, so I, I shot it out there to the interwebs. And uh, Josh Haggins came up with a topic that is, uh, you know, maybe something we should touch on. Talk about the little things that can keep you lifting for decades. Those little things that most people skip as it's not worth their time. Um, so, I don't know, I mean, to expand on that, I'd say just there's things that you do now that you realize, holy shit, I probably should have done that years ago. Um, do you guys want to touch on that first? I think I think one of the first ones I would say is just limiting the amount of time you're going to failure. Um, and that's you know that's something that um, beginner lifters are notorious for is always pushing everything to whether it's a, whether it's a set failure, a one rep max failure. Um, it seems like the longer you're in the gym, the more you understand that. Failing is not something that you want to be doing, especially on a regular basis. Um, and you know, with a one rep max, you know, you're really opening up the opportunity for injury yes. if, if you're failing there too. So I think that's one of the biggest things that people can people to increase their longevity is just limiting their amount of time um, that they're in a state of failure. Yeah, I think that's that's um, the, the the thought that comes to my mind is um, just just first perspective both of us competed in strongman and powerlifting uh you know I, I probably started lifting seriously about 13 years ago and have been going pretty consistently ever since then i've done maybe 25 powerlifting strongman and highland games competitions over that time and the the biggest thing for me 
it's, it's much easier in hindsight at the time. I feel like that's yeah. the advice for all yeah. of us. In hindsight, advice is always yeah. significantly easier. Right, and as you're older, it's easier to, to, to wrap your mind around those things. But the big thing to me is just trying to remember all of this, regardless of what you do, if, if you're into uh, competitive bodybuilding or you know just recreational lifting, just remembering that it is a marathon. This Any of these sports, they are marathons and not sprints. It's not, it's not the fastest to get to anywhere. It, the goal should never be, you know, in my mind, it's you're not trying to put 50 pounds on your deadlift this year. It's I just want to get to where I'm five pounds stronger. And if I get to where I'm five pounds stronger, then eventually being able to get five pounds stronger after that. And you have years to do it. If you're planning on doing this for a long time, like be aware of that. You, you have years and years to do that. And then that plays along in with what Tommy said is uh, – Minimizing those chances for injury that way. The biggest thing that gets people out of it is the injuries. You know, if, if you can uh, avoid those injuries, at least the biggest thing that gets people out of it when they would rather stay in is those injuries. And if you can minimize those chances for the, those at all costs, uh, you're that much more successful because the strongest people are usually going to be the people that are healthiest for the longest period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you need to train for that long, you're going to get stronger. You know, you don't have to be the world's foremost expert on training. Even if you can just stay healthy and continue to train intelligently and add a little bit of weight over over time, um, it's going to be fun. But that's probably the other thing. If you can make that small progress over time, you're going to have fun doing it and, and keep you motivated. Yeah, no, and I think I think that one. I'll touch on both of those, but uh, that one first is you see a difference now in in the lifters like everybody wants it now and now more than before let's say ed Cohn's era ed ed was competitive highly competitive for like 10 years um you see people now and they're like i want to be ed Cohn next year (laughs) and uh you see these bright stars coming up it's like dude this guy's gonna be something and he's crushing it crushing it crushing it and then he's crushed um and i think a lot of that's part of it i mean it's pushing you can only push so hard before your body explodes. And, you know, we just don't, we're not seeing those people with the legacies like that. Um, you know, 10 years of, of very impressive platform lifting. And now you're seeing guys that have a year, maybe two years, and then boom, he's gone. Like he's wrecked. Uh, and then then on the first point, point uh, the tough one I struggle with, the, the going to failure thing, and I totally agree on it, the hard part as a coach and I look back at what I did, you learn a lot as a lifter from that early stage. Because as a new lifter, I get new lifters all the time, and they're, like I said, they're mentally weak. So they just don't know what failure is. So how do we get, as a coach, I know that going to failure all the time is not a good answer. But how do I get a person to understand what failure is without taking them to failure? That's the fucking hard part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that is that is a fine line. That is tricky, and, and you're right. Part of it does come with experience. There's no magic like, all right, this is the rule that you understand. You're going to be going to failure if you do X. Um, so yeah, part of it does just come from from trial and error. But hopefully, over time, I think people should be aware of that and try to be moving away from the mentality that every single gym set has to be like this thing that's killing me and, and taking me down to failure. Yeah, because it's, it's the physical toll, of, of course, if you if you are maybe more into that intermediate bracket, the physical toll of, of those failures, but even more so for me personally, it's the mental thing. And, and I, I, yes, I would agree with that. I, I, 
do not like it's it's easy for me it's great for me mentally if i leave the gym and think man i could have done two more great reps right there you know like i don't know what I could have done for sure, but I, I'm confident I could have done one, two, or three more. Or I went for like what I thought was getting close to my one rep max, and there was five. I, I could like confidently say, yep, there was for sure five or ten more pounds there. I would take that any day over like, yep, yes. that was it. There's nothing else there right. or, or not getting it even. Yeah. That's wise. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that's 100% agree. And it's I think a lot of people do that too much. I mean, that's... I think it was Ed Cohn again. It was like you only have so many true max attempts in your life. Yes. Save them for the meat, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, my guys will see me cut things short all the time. It's like, yeah, that's good enough, you know. I poop just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> a little so. okay. And Phil, one of the things you said too that I almost feel like is a is a more modern thing to be aware of is is the Instagram. Um, oh, uh, yeah. I think it's. You know, 10 years ago, that wasn't like, oh, you, you, you didn't hop on Instagram and see everyone deadlifting and squatting over 700 pounds. That wasn't the case. So you mean you could maybe find a few people on YouTube, but now like I could pull up Instagram right now and just see pages and pages of people squatting seven, 800, even 900 pounds. Um, and just realizing like that is like the, the point zero 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 one percent of lifters, like don't get sucked into that mentality. Like just Know when to stay in your lane a little bit and know who you are, know your limitations, and don't get stuck into that that Instagram black hole of PR. Yeah. Well, and as a coach, as a coach, I won't name any names, but uh, some of my high-level lifters see them get caught up in that. It's like, no, you got to meet in three weeks. Save it for the <laughs> yeah. fucking platform. You know, it doesn't <laughs> matter what you do on Instagram. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, that's a tough one, man. So, Lonnie, what do you got? Anything on the nutrition uh, I, side, potentially? Oh, well, maybe. I think for me, it, it's even broader than that. I, I think wisdom prevents scars, right? And so you guys uh, kind of talking, to me, it's reframing what's hardcore. And like you say, marathon, you know, like there is the discipline to be in this, to have an actual lengthy career. Like at my age, I just don't want to lose the privilege of squatting. I love to do that. I've got a lot of scars. I got to work around that in a couple different ways. I'll be honest with you, but damn it, I still do it. You know, it's nice to put a couple plates on there and still be able to squat. I don't want to lose that. In fact, same thing with coffee. You know, a lot of times I'm drinking half calf coffee because I can't. You know, um, I can't do even what Phil does now. Like right, which is you know. Uh, a pre-workout powder and swish it down with a monster and then have some coffee just (laughs) (laughs) so so sometimes it's 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 just i think having the wisdom to uh to reframe what's called for and sometimes you got to decide where you are in your career you know maybe to a lot of people like oh lonnie says he's post-competitive that's boring no i'm gonna fight the long defeat damn it i'm gonna keep doing this uh, and you know uh, I'll probably sneak out of the hospital bed and do something on the last day of my life. You know, uh, I don't think we'll have forty-five pound bars in there or anything. <laughs> but, but yeah. So I think for me, that's that's kind of what that is: is the reframing what's hardcore, maybe. Yeah, and I was just gonna add. I think a lot of times it goes back to stuff that's super simple, like what is your goal? You know, and that that seems like just so basic and boring, and no one wants to talk about it, but. Like with clients, I have them go back to what do you want to do in the gym and what is kind of your overall goal like in life? Like for me, like if I had the chance to, I'm out here in Hood River, you know, kiteboarding, I would kiteboard over lifting and I love lifting and grip and everything else. But 
I can't kiteboard almost every day at home or when I'm traveling. So my lifting is actually set up to have sub goals of what I want to do. And then when I get to kiteboard, I look to how much did that transfer to my riding? So I have my goals when I'm in the gym, what I'm doing day to day, and then how do they transfer? And similar to what you guys were saying too, with uh, going to failure, when Phil was saying is, it's hard initially to get some people to go to like an RP of a nine and a half or what the, what is really a true 10. Um, I may initially use the rower or car push or something else where I know they can fail in kind of a safe manner. And then also looking at their lifting, like how did you fail? Like did you turn your deadlift into a pooping dog or did you just stay in the same form and couldn't get it off the floor? Yeah. Right? I think there's a big difference between those two. And over time, it's like I want to see you kind of fail with good form still. Because that just tells me you're probably yeah. just not strong enough per se, and your risk of injury is is less instead of trying to turn everything into, I'm going to get it no matter what, and then your risk goes up, and then you're doing something different from a motor standpoint too. Another big one for me is the realization, and we've kind of touched on this over the various points here. <sighs> The realization that anything you want to do well, or at a very extremely high level, expert level, let's say, you need to be willing to give it 10 years. I mean, just if, whether that's a nutrition scientist or a lifter or anything else. And on top of that, with strength sports, with powerlifting, weightlifting, any of those, like it takes a very, very special person to, okay, for the next 10 years... I'm going to snatch and clean and jerk for 10 fucking years. <laughs> and you see a lot of lifting ADD, and I understand that. But that also, at the same time, is why the number of actual elite champions is so low. Because it really does take a special mindset to do, okay, I'm going to do two lifts. And the other lifts I do are geared towards those two lifts for a decade. <laughs> and... uh that's a big one. If you're not, and people need to sit back and ask themselves. Everybody wants to be Arnold Schwarzenegger until they get rolling. You know, they're six months in, like, oh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to be a weightlifter until that 600 session of snatching. You know, it's like, fuck, I'm snatching again, and I've only gained 10 pounds on my snatch. You know, when's this shit gonna happen? So it takes a it, it takes a lot of maturity and a lot of patience, and you just have to enjoy the process. Um, and that's one thing I got. Like, I love. I love to compete, but I love the lifting better. The just I, like today is my squat and deadlift day, and I fucking love it. And the only thing the meat is is just my chance to get out there and see what I can do, you know. But I wouldn't do it if the other. I compete once a year now, so 364 days of the year is spent just practicing for oh. one day. You know? Yeah, the, the other thought I have, and it, I guess it ties in nicely with that, and it fits in good with what, what we were saying about massonomics earlier. We like to put a fun spin on things, and I think if you're going to do this for a really long time, there it, it has to be fun and enjoyable. Yes. And and I, I think that means different things for different peoples, especially depending on what the what the goal, the end goal is. But take someone like a power lifter. There's a time and place for things. If you're peaking for a meet, you know, you've got your – eight weeks coming up for a powerlifting meet, your training is going to be pretty, uh, I, I would say, hyper-focused for that meet. and High intensity. High, high intensity, very specific to what you're going to be doing at that meet. And, and that's okay, but once that meet's over, 
I, I think that's a great opportunity to involve things that are more fun, whatever that. Oh is. yeah. We have a lot of different tools in our gym, and and some of it has not really a great specific purpose to to your squat on the platform, but it, it's fun. You know, there we things like uh, sandbags, grip training tools, mm-hmm. all this different stuff. It, it keeps you in the gym. It can keep you motivated on on something besides those core activities. And like I said, you know. It's maybe a twisted idea of what's fun, but uh, you know, carrying a sandbag or pressing a sandbag overhead—that's different. So to me, that's kind of fun outside of the the, the hardcore-specific things you might be doing to prepare for normally. Yeah. Another one I got is weight classes. One thing we're seeing now more than ever is everybody sticking in low weight classes. And I don't know why. I'm hmm. gonna see a guy. He's been there six years. I've I gotta be 181. Because I need the county record, you know. And it's like, well, what's your goal? You know, five years ago when you started out, you said you want to be Brian Shaw, but you're still 180 pounds. Um, and I, I just don't understand where this mindset changed. Because it, especially in powerlifting, I mean, I think Kirk Kowalski said it. You know, powerlifting is for big, strong men. You know, and generally the the resounding theme was if you go back and look at those lifters from years ago, and all their meets. You would see the weight class of where they were at slowly went up over the decades. And nowadays you're seeing people stick down and bitching about how they're not strong. Mm. Well, guess what? You'd probably be a lot stronger if you slowly added 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds over 10 years. I'm not saying get there tomorrow, but uh, I, I know I made that mistake. Like I stuck at 242 too long. And then the minute I chose, like, okay, I'm going to go up. And then boom, you know, deadlift went from 7 to 750 to 780 to the, the, just by just by training and eating. And I don't know where it came from, and it's probably to do with Instagram and social media, and like, I need to have abs and lift. Uh, you're a powerlifter. It's okay. <laughs> you know, Phil, this, it's the same damn thing with bodybuilding. I mean, what's wrong with a pursuit of being bigger and stronger? That's got to be the reason a lot of young people, guys and girls, pick up a dumbbell to begin with. And with the advent of natural bodybuilding over the past several years, but people are much smaller. Like I grew up looking at muscle magazines, right? So these guys are, you know, low 200s in shape, you know, two and a quarter, 250 in shape, you know. Are they enhanced? Of course they're enhanced, right? And so my frame of reference was different. But um, there's it, it becomes body-wasting competitions because, you know, every the winners on stage are 100. Uh, once I got – I got beat once by a guy that was I think was 149 pounds. He had striations on his serratus. And so I'm like, I never want that, man. You know, you, yeah. you look interesting to me, but also frail. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so I sometimes, I'm just saying it can go bad, right? I get it. You can only be so big if you're not using all kinds of anabolics and stuff. So, you, you know, what do you do? You're, you're going to get as ripped as you can. But then I would also argue sometimes they, you know, obviously they're going to dip into pharmacy to get ripped then. So whether it's over the counter or not. So anyway... I, I, it's funny you say that, Phil, because I, I wasn't aware. All you guys actually, um, I don't know what you see, Tanner, but like with low weight classes in performance sports, but in bodybuilding, it seems like that too. And I get it; it's a counterculture to the ridiculous, unattainable, three hundred pound shredded physiques, or even like the Brian Shaw thing. Not everybody can be that, yeah. right. you know. Yeah, no, but I mean, you know, I've dealt with it as a as a coach. Like, I'll have a lifter going for their first meet, and they'll be like, oh. Well, I'm 187. I might as well cut for 181. Why are you cutting? You know, why? You suck. You know, there's no point. Just lift and go. 
Mm-hmm. And most of the people cutting weight, most of the lifters cutting massive amounts of weight are doing it for no reason. They're not fucking winning. They're not breaking records. In my mind, like I tell my lifters, there's two reasons to break a record. If you're at a meet that's giving you $20,000 or if you're breaking an actual world record. Other than that, just go fucking lift and let's yeah. have fun. And why add that extra stress? Because you're just going to screw your day up. Uh, one more thing to go wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not against cutting. I'm against cutting for the right reason. You know. Hey, let me ask. going to be number 50th. Why are you cutting? Right, right. <clears throat> I was going to ask Tommy, what with your background in graphic design and stuff, and Phil, you're like this too. Is aesthetics ever a part of it? I mean, it, because you guys, everybody talks about performance all the time. That I never, the only lift I ever cared about the weight on the bar was my, my squat, ever. Um, didn't care. Now, ironically, right, I mean, I was always bottom heavy, so maybe maybe I should have focused on the weights more. <laughs> but, like, uh, I say, you know, I, I remember the aesthetics part. And, like, when I think back, like, when I started really, like, the gym really became a thing where I was focused on getting bigger, getting stronger. That was about 10 years ago when I was about 20 years old. Um, and at that time, I weighed about 170-ish pounds. And I'm 6'1", so I was a pretty skinny guy at, at, at that size. And um, my my goal for always from day one was I just wanted to be stronger. I wanted to be stronger. And I guess you could say with that, the, the aesthetic part of that is just getting bigger. And um, I, I at, over that time, you know, at first it's like you, I think people get their identity tied to their weight too much. And I think I was maybe even a little guilty of that in the beginning. It's like, nah, I'm like a skinnier guy. I stay around like 175, 180 because mm-hmm. that's how a skinnier guy looks. And then eventually you kind of – you realize that to get stronger, it's significantly easier if you're adding weight onto that. Oh. And uh, at my heaviest ever, I think I was about 225, 230. Hmm. And uh, and now I'm back down to right around closer to 200. So like 50, up almost 50 pounds, down now about 25. Um, so, yeah, I – talking about the aesthetics part I, I just think i think people do get too sucked into that sometimes and you can't be afraid like none of this is perm i guess if you're going to gain 150 pounds that might do some permanent damage one way or another but um if you're going to go somewhat controlled with it um this is all you're not stuck like if you get up to if you do gain 30 40 pounds you're not stuck with that forever yes. you can yes. you can come back down you, you're not that weight for the rest of your life um so yeah gain some weight uh, see how it makes you get stronger. You might find that you really like it. You might find that, ah, I don't like how that feels on my body. Well, you know what? If you can gain that weight and you're disciplined, you can also lose that weight too. So the fun of it for you is just the performance mostly? That, yeah, that was always the funnest part for me. It was just, just purely the performance part, just uh, pushing my body, seeing those numbers go up uh, You know, week after week, month after month, year after year. Um, it, it just it, it turns into this fun play with yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a game changer. That's me too. I think everybody, I think they're lying, most people, if they say they don't get started into it. Just started, and it has some kind of aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I want to look better. I'm 15, I, I want to look better for the chicks. You know, yeah, but, exactly. then usually, but, yes. but then no, usually it transfers yeah, into yeah, something. I've been doing this for a long time. You can't tell, can you? Like, no one else. Yeah, and then it usually transforms into something else. Like me, when I found strength sports, it was like, okay, I found my shit, you know? <laughs> and uh, and then it changed into something deeper than that. So, anything else, guys? No, I think 
that's, I think that's great conversation on that topic for sure. Yeah. I don't know. The only thing I might add is I wish I would have started wearing like some knee protection earlier and things like that. I was one of those purists early on. It was like no fucking straps, knee belts, wraps, nothing. I'm like, fuck, my knees hurt. I should have fucking wore those sleeves earlier. Yeah. Phil, you got to wear protection. You got to wear protection. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, well, and even like, I don't know, it was Jesse Burdick turned me on to just wearing some power briefs. Uh, and I'm, I'm not an equipped lifter, but I started wearing those in training stations, and it just saved my hips. And I'm, I'm able to take them off for a meet, but in my training, it helps. So, I mean, there's little things like that that you might look at. Uh, I still don't warm up, but I'm stupid, so don't listen to me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like, I don't stretch and do that stuff, but uh, whatever. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks for having us on, or thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thanks a lot for having us. Uh, this is this is it's always fun getting to be uh, be on someone else's podcast. Yeah, and I think being on Iron Radio is a is is a really cool experience for us. You know, it's just like a a, a really cool thing for us to be able to say a checkbox on the list. You know, I listen to the show pretty regularly, so it's. it's a cool I, I still one. remember this is so. This is funny how like full full circle here we initially made a list um what was that four years ago maybe yeah of like top podcasts you should listen to this is on the on the or top strength training podcast you should listen to this is on the massonomics website uh you guys were one of them on the list and this is when we were doing a little more blogging at the time and um we put the list out you know whatever expecting no feedback and i remember getting a text from tanner it was like eight in the morning like holy shit iron radio talked about the massonomics podcast <laughs> on their podcast and I remember loading it up like no way and it was like I, I still remember you guys' conversation you say ah oh, the uh, Massonomics website uh, um, featured us on a radio uh, on their top list of podcasts and they were impressed by the fact that we have like 300 and some episodes or it might have even been 400 at the time and I remember thinking that is impossible for someone to record that many um, we're, at, we're at 223 yeah. we're somewhere but now you know we're at 223 we're on your podcast so it's funny what uh what a few years can do yeah well that's awesome man it is you guys are one of the such few people that didn't pod fade right i mean it, yes it, it, i look at it like the, the evening news i grew up evening news it was three anchors on three major channels right and at no point did i want to turn on the news and peter jennings wasn't there because he had another appointment you there was someone there every week it's just a simple formula Anyway, and so good on you guys for doing that. It's the same thing as we talked about with lifting. You know, everybody says they want to be Ed Cohn, and they're six months in and they quit. Everybody thinks they want to have a podcast. They're six months in, and they once they find out the the work of it, they fucking quit. We we like to think of ourselves as the uh, a cockroach of lifting podcasts. We just uh, (laughs) (laughs) chop his head off, and he keeps going. My other Iron Radio is get out there and leave a, uh, a five-star review. I, I see the number was ticking close to 500 on uh, Apple Podcasts, so, and I think that number should be over 500. So leave a review, and also uh, please check out the Massonomics podcast if you'd like to, and check out our store. Sometimes we sell a lot of uh, humorous shirts, I would say, revolve, or, uh, designs revolving around lifting. So if you're into that sort of thing, uh, please check us out. Yeah, and what was it? You have to get a second mortgage. If you do that, you can get some shorts. So, <laughs> even enough, we've seen some people get on some pretty dark robes to do things to get money for our. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's just massonomics.com then, guys. Yep, yep, yeah. massonomics.com and uh, on Instagram. Sweet. So everybody, check it out. And uh, again, thanks for coming on. 
Thanks, fellas. Hey, listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good. Uh, Knee sleeves, wraps of some kind. Things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org. And um, let us know what you think on the forums. And certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.